I had this sense that like, okay, I'm half a million dollars in debt. The banks are backed up. So I've probably got a year or two to pay it off before they come try to take my life away from me. Um, and if I can keep the government at bay and I can keep the banks at bay, I probably have a year or two to start chipping away at this debt. But it's $500,000 in debt. So the only way I'm going to chip away at it in any kind of meaningful way is I got to be in the top 10. Ideally, I got to be in the top five. Now, I didn't know how many people were in the community. I knew it was thousands. I didn't know it was 40,000. Oh, wow. But either way, I knew going in, I have to be in the top sliver of the top 1% or else I have no shot. And when you go into something with that mindset, it's like being a six-year-old who's handed a basketball and said, if I don't play in the NBA someday, there's no point in even playing this game. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Process. My guest today is on a mission to help people create an awesome life. He has been successfully unemployed since he got fired from his summer job at the age of 16. And from then on, he decided that having a job wasn't for him. In his 20s, he made a living as a jazz musician, but in 2008, he began learning about online business. Since then, he has generated $50 million in sales online, built a real estate investment company, founded a 2X, two times Inc. 5000 digital agency, and made it his passion to create the most awesome life possible. In 2018, he sold his agency and committed himself full-time teaching others how to create their own awesome life through his education company, Antra, while also spending as much time possible with his, with his family, his wife, and his four kids. Please help me welcome Jeff Lerner to the show. How's it going, man? I, I am just, you, I hear that intro and I'm like, man, that guy sounds pretty cool. And then I am go, oh, that's me. Wow, I'm really blessed and still kind of pinching myself. Thank you for the intro. No, <laughs> then yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. So uh, let's just start back. The, the thing that intrigued me the most was um, how you made a living as a jazz musician and how that transferred over to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, I say all the time, and, and I'm not really joking when I say it, that the best uh, education and preparation that I ever had in my life for being an entrepreneur was being a jazz musician. It's, it's a combination of uh, do, you know, mastering something that is, is just really, really hard. I mean, jazz, very complex. A lot, you know, it, it, I won't bore you with the, the, a sermon about the rigors of mastering the jazz idiom, but it's tough. You know, you got to master the instrument, but you also got to master the, the idiom. And then you got to go apply it in the context of, of pretty constant improvisation. Like there's no, there's no notes on the page. And so you're operating within a framework that certainly has, uh, you know, right and wrong in terms of concepts and, and rhythm and, time and harmony and melody and like you can do it well or you can do it badly but at the same time nobody's ever going to say oh that note right there that was the wrong note and so you're making it up in real time all the time and that tell me that isn't like being an entrepreneur right <laughs> no for sure and um while you're making money as this jazz you know um you know playing playing jazz you said that people were hiring you for gigs and stuff um people that were wealthy and you learned a lot from you know, working with these people and becoming, you know, getting on a first name basis with them. And, and what did that teach you about people that were already successful? Maybe some, some um, preconceived notions we have about people that are successful and what you learned by spending a lot of time with them. Yeah, I think a couple things. Um, one, I learned that uh, th there's a lot to be said for the presentation. You know, the reality is most people, like if you have a, if you're having a private party and you're like, oh, let's hire a little jazz trio to serenade us in the corner. Most of the people that hire that 
they're not like really, uh, you know, involved aficionados of jazz. They're not like, oh, I hope they play, you know, some avant-garde Ornette Coleman or, oh, I hope he uses, you know, McCoy Tyner's chord stylings. Like they're not, they just want it for the effect, you know? And so the guy that gets the gig isn't necessarily the best jazz musician. It's the guy who shows up on time, who wears a decent fitting suit, who cuts his hair, you know, shaves or styles his beard and just is like presents, you know, it's the presentation. You're, you're part of an aesthetic. And, and again, I feel like that's, that's entrepreneurship. You know, as a jazz musician, you spend so much time on your craft and so much time on your product. It's very easy to put all of your identity and your investment into your product and, and say, oh, well, how come he got the gig? You know, I play such and such a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit cleaner. But the reality is the guy hiring you for the gig, he just wants you to show up and, and, and present a certain way, right? Yeah. And so that's, you know, part of what I learned that's obviously apropos to, to marketing and, and, and entrepreneurship. Um, and, then, and then as far as the, it, well, and because of that, because I, you know, I, I focused on the presentation and I had kind of a business mind that was like, hey, let's, let's put a, a, good, a good promo kit together and let's record a demo and let's, let's you know, create some assurances and some confidence for the clients that like we will show up and do a good job because all they're really worried about is that you do the job and you don't embarrass them, right? That we're talking billionaires that are having friends over for dinner. And they just don't want some lunatic in the corner making a scene. That's like their number one concern, right? And then hopefully you can, you can make decent music on top of that. And so because I presented and I packaged well, I, I marketed myself effectively, I was able to get into these rooms with these just titanically successful business people. I'm talking like, you know, uh, the owner, the owner of most of the major sports teams in Houston, where I live, the owner of the Astros, the owner of the Rockets, the owner of the Texans. Um, and a, a funny one is that I played at the home of the CFO for Enron, which is one of the most spectacular, uh, you know, scams and business collapses in the world. But I mean, nonetheless, it was an $80 billion company at its height. And this is a CFO that architected all the shell companies. And he may not have been ethical, but he was certainly very smart. Yeah. And so I'm in the room with these guys. And because I had a, a notion of entrepreneurship and a vision for my life. And I knew that I wanted to be successful. And, and, and I started to sense like what, you know, most of these guys, that's the thing. Most of the, most of those guys, they're self-made. You yeah. know, a lot of people have this idea of like millionaires and they're like, Oh, well he grew up with a silver spoon or he went to the right boarding school or his daddy knew somebody at the bank or whatever. Okay, great. Maybe if you go size up people that made between one and $5 million in their career, you go, Oh, those guys had some, potentially had some connections that played to their benefit. But if you go take a survey of all the billionaires in the world, most of them just figured out how to do some radically cool stuff and had this tenacity and this drive and, and this willingness to, to be outside the box and to create disruption. And, and they went out and made it happen. And so to get FaceTime with people like that, what was earth shattering for me in my early mid twenties and just created for me this very real unshakable sense of what's out there and what's possible and that no excuse of mine was ever going to be okay. And I think I've just been living that ever since. Nice. So how did you make the transition from, you know, um, playing jazz, you know, for these billionaires? I know you, you said you were learning how to market yourself, put yourself out there. So that's definitely a skill that you were developing then. 
but then how did you transition to online? And I believe you started with like affiliate marketing. How did you learn that? And how did you uh, crack the code on that and start becoming profitable, making money doing that? So uh, like, like many of us, I was forced by circumstances that at the time seemed very unpleasant, but in hindsight were the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I was forced to, to get creative and figure something else out. I was so all through my 20s, again, partly because I was inspired by these, my, by my clients, my customers, these really successful business people. Um, I, I, and I had this vision of what entrepreneurship and, and value creation could do for my life, partly because I just wanted more money. I didn't like being poor and musicians tend to be mostly poor. I, um, I was always starting businesses in my 20s. Like I, I failed at like 10 different businesses. Um, you know, and I just, it's the proverbial like, Oh, I failed. What do I do? I don't know. Go fail again. What now? I don't know. Go fail again. What now? Keep failing. Just keep failing. And eventually you'll just kind of run out of failures and something will catch. But my failures got uh, increasingly big and disastrous in magnitude. And, and when I was 28 years old, or I guess 29, it was 2008. I was born in 79. So I was 29 years old um, is when I hit my most colossal failure, the one that really there was no way to recover from by just doing more of the same. It was so big that I had to, I had to change. And it was when I got a couple loans from the Small Business Administration, the US government you know, has a program to help young entrepreneurs start businesses that they probably otherwise couldn't qualify for. But you coupled that with the insanity that was going on in the banks in like 2005, 2006 with the mortgage bubble. Yeah. And they were the, there was loose underwriting. There was there was overly available credit, and so the banks were giving loans to people that they shouldn't be giving loans to. And that I don't even think the U.S. government SBA program knew they were giving loans to. Because the bottom line is, I was I guess 27 when I got the loans. I was a 27 year old jazz musician with a string of business failures, no money, no credit, like no reason I should have gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars in bank loans to go open franchise restaurants, but you know, partly because of the environment at the time and partly because I'm a pretty decent salesperson, I was able to go in and, and make that happen. And long story short, 2008, world falls off a cliff, the economy, you know, the mortgage bubble bursts, go into the quote, great recession, economy collapses, and I, my restaurants end up shutting down. I just got them open in the last year and I'm, I'm left holding the bag as the personal guarantor on four, what, what ended up being $495,000 in debt. About 330,000 of that was the actual bank loans that had been guaranteed by the government, which meant I now owed the United States Treasury $330,000, which by the way, is the same entity that you pay your taxes to. So it's like owing over $300,000 in taxes, plus another 165,000 to various, you know, landlords and attorneys and state tax departments and just a whole mess, right? And so that was my rock bottom. And I went online. I remember I had a couple grand left on a credit card. And frankly, thanks to the recession, the banks were so backed up with credit challenges that, you know, nowadays, if you go, if you default on hundreds of thousands of dollars in bank debt, you know, it probably a week later, your credit cards are probably shut down. Yeah. But back then the banks were so backed up. I still had like, you know, a month or two months when I had like some credit. And so I took my last couple thousand dollars plus some cash that I pulled out of the last store on the day that it was closing. And I just went all in on this affiliate marketing training company. 
that like we see now, I mean, it was less common back in 2008, but it's really no different. It's like, hey, you know, opt into the funnel. And I didn't, I didn't know the term at the time, but I, I ended up in a funnel and I ended up on a sales page and I watched a VSL. Actually, it was not a VSL. It was a, it was a long form, uh, a piece of good long form direct response copy, which nowadays it would have been a VSL. And, uh, you know, I bought, I, I just bought because I was desperate and I sensed that maybe this was a real opportunity. And I ended up uh, going to school, you know, quote unquote, online school to learn affiliate marketing. And thankfully I was a, I was a quick study, but I wasn't a quick study because I'm some sort of prodigy. I was a quick study because I was desperate. My back was against the wall. And because from my experience, this is why, again, why I say being a musician was so important. My experience as a musician taught me that if you want to get really good at something that's really hard and that statistically most people don't ever get good at, I mean, think how many people took piano lessons when they were a kid. Yeah. And yet how many of those could actually go out and play a gig? Yeah. It's a tiny percentage, right? And so to me, sitting at a keyboard, and there I was at a keyboard, again, only it wasn't a piano keyboard, it was a computer keyboard. And I have this, this curriculum in front of me that's like, and, and I, I remember, I'll tell you what happened. I looked at the, uh, they had leaderboards inside this community and it was a community of thousands of affiliate marketers. And kind of like, I, I see you have uh, two comma club awards in the background. So you're familiar with ClickFunnels, right? So yeah. it's kind of like that. I mean, there's tens of thousands of affiliates, right? And yet how many of them make, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars? It's a very small group, right? Yeah. And so I found out later there were 40,000 members of this community. And looking at the leaderboards, I saw that about the top 10 made, you know, upwards of 30, $40,000 a month. And like the top five made like anywhere from 60 to $200,000 a month. And, and they would, they would submit their, their commission stubs to the company and they would validate them and then they would pu publish their earnings. So I had this sense that like, okay, I'm half a million dollars in debt. The banks are backed up. So I've probably got a year or two to pay it off before they come try to take my life away from me. Um, and if I can keep the government at bay and I can keep the banks at bay, I probably have a year or two to start chipping away at this debt. But it's $500,000 in debt. So the only way I'm going to chip away at it in any kind of meaningful way is I got to be in the top 10. Ideally, I got to be in the top five. Now, I didn't know how many people were in the community. I knew it was thousands. I didn't know it was 40,000. Oh, wow. But either way, I knew going in, I have to be in the top sliver of the top 1% or else I have no shot. And when you go into something with that mindset, it's like being a six-year-old who's handed a basketball and said, if I don't play in the NBA someday, there's no point in even playing this game. Yeah. That was my situation. And so I just did what I had to do. I don't, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. People always say, what'd you do? I did every single thing that you ever have a, a doubt or an insecurity in your mind around, can I do that? Should I do that? Maybe I should wait. Maybe I should go to bed. Maybe I should try it tomorrow. Now, you know, I just all the delays and the, the self-doubt and the self-sabotage, like I didn't have time for any of it. Yeah. So I just did it. It took me 18 months. I paid off $495,000 in debt. That's awesome. And that, that's an amazing comeback story. Thanks. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. And um, so that's awesome, man. Um, I mean, affiliate marketing, do you believe that's one of the best ways for people to get started online if they don't have a product of their own or they don't have an idea for an actual business? To learn the skills so that way that in the future if they do decide to do something on their own they have those skills yeah i mean i think that you know obviously you're a digital marketer so you'll i'm sure you'll agree with me like fundamentally you have to figure out how to make offers that convert people into leads and then sales and you have to figure out how to get those offers in front of 
huge volumes of people, right? Like thousands or millions of eyeballs. Um, in the absence of a business or a product or a, you know, a specific agenda, if you just want to put yourself in an incubator to focus on those skills, making offers and getting it in front of crap loads of people, affiliate marketing's ideal because that's actually all you have to worry about, right? Now, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say everybody should start with affiliate marketing, but certainly what you said is true. It's a great place to start if you don't already have a clear vision of what you want to do. Awesome. And then um, how would you go about, like, how would people go about picking what offers or what products they want to sell? Do you think that they should go into something that they're interested in or something that's converting well already? Um, my take would be like, if they go into something that they're interested in or into an industry that they might be interested in creating a product in the future, they'll get a lot of good feedback from the sales that they're making and learn more about their customer. But maybe it's better to go into what's converting now. What is, what's your opinion on that? I'm going to just say yes. <laughs> Meaning, ideally, something that you're interested in is also congruent with some sort of trend or interest online. You know, if your interest is, if the thing that you're interested in is too esoteric, don't waste your time. Yeah. But if you can find five things that are all converting pretty well, and you're really interested in one of them, absolutely do the one that you're interested in. Because honestly, it's, you're just going to be more likely to do the work. Yeah. If you're, if you're interested and passionate about the thing. And, and to your point, ultimately, it can, it can give you valuable feedback that can help you build your own brand and your own business potentially in a category that you care about over time. Um, but the two things I would say you know, because affiliate marketing is, uh, it's huge business. 2021, it's projected to pass a trillion dollars, wow. the affiliate marketing industry. Mm -hmm. It's it's roughly 23% of the internet and the digital economy is going to hit almost 5 trillion in 2021. So that's, that's a, a trillion dollar industry. But at the same time, it's a very saturated industry and, a, and, and it's a relatively small minority of people that actually make what I would consider to be a lot of money, like enough money that you can really live off of it comfortably. Yeah. Um, most of the people that make really good money as an affiliate either focus on residual affiliate products, like say ClickFunnels, for example, something where if you get, if you get a hundred customers, you're not just making $4,000, you're making $4,000 a month, yeah. right? Um, or they focus on high, higher ticket products, products where you can make at least, I kind of consider to be find something at least where you can make 500 or ideally even a thousand dollars on a single sale because your cost to acquire customers online is it's pretty significant and if you don't make enough money from an individual transaction that it can offset your customer acquisition costs even if you're in a model where you're like oh well i'll just market additional products to my list over time the process gets so dragged out that you can never scale your business if you're having to wait six months to recoup your cost of advertising before you can turn up your ads, then like incrementally, it's going to be 10 years before you can ever scale. Yeah. So find either high ticket products or residual products or ideally both. Awesome. And uh, now that you have, you, you know, you have the success with affiliate marketing, you know, you created, you know, Entra, which is education, educating people, you know, to create that awesome, you know, online business for themselves or create that awesome life. Tell us a little bit more about Entra and what makes it different from all the other educational businesses out there. Yeah, I mean, what makes Entra very different is, is, is it's not really so much of, a, of an education program. It's a complete ecosystem. So like, we're not just giving you training. It's like, here's the best way I can describe it. So, you know, how many Americans go to therapy? They go, oh, I got a problem. I'm always fighting with my wife or I can't stop eating cheesecake in the middle of the night or whatever. I need a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. They go to therapy, they spend the money, they sit in the room for an hour, 
and they go home and they do the same thing they were doing before. It does, you know, therapy in America has pretty low traction rates. Mm -hmm. in, in Italy, in, in particular, in the city of Milan, Italy, there's a school of therapy called the Milanese School for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. In Milan, therapy is very expensive. You know, most people cannot afford therapy. It costs, at least last when I read about it, it costs something like four or $5,000 a month for a decent therapist. Because the therapist literally moves into your house and follows you around. And, and if you're at the refrigerator at midnight trying to stuff cheesecake in your face, the therapist is sitting there shaming you going, don't do that shit. What are you paying me for, man? Why are you sabotaging? Get that out of here. And by the way, why don't you go dump it in the trash so you're not tempted tomorrow? Literally, the therapist creates this whole environment of accountability and, and consistency and rigor and discipline because you're literally paying them to live in your house. At Entra, I'm not gonna move into people's houses, let's be clear, but we've kind of tried to split the difference. Like the idea of just, hey, here's my course, go through and acquire my knowledge and go implement on your own and surely you can have the results that I did. That's the equivalent of most Americans going to therapy. We try to get it as close to the Milanese school as possible where it's immersion, it's ecosystem, it's groups, it's accountability. Many of our trainings are not even about how to market online or how to build a funnel. Many of our trainings are about, you know, how to, how to be a better implementer, how to be a better communicator. Like we try to get into every, every, you know, molecule of your DNA, every minute of your life. Like when you're talking, we talk about communication, we talk about relationships, we talk about diet, we talk about wellness. We talk about how to ultimately become such a badass person that success is inevitable. Because the problem online is not a lack of information. You know, if I had a, a dollar for every person that takes an online course, gets great knowledge and doesn't get the results regardless, I'd have even more money than I do. Yeah. That's not the problem. The problem is a culture. It's an environment. It's accountability. It's, it's being willing to have a structured, hard conversation with a mass of people that holds a giant mirror up into their face and, and ask them the really tough questions. And, you know, we don't have time for me to break it all down in, in the micro, but the reality is I think we do that better than any program I've ever seen on the internet ever. Nice. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. If there's any resources or anything you want to leave my audience with, the floor is yours. Let them know how they can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, First of all, if somebody uh, just goes to millionairesecrets.com forward slash Jeff S. We put a little landing page together just for this episode. Nice. Millionairesecrets.com forward slash Jeff S. And on that page, you're going to be able to download my free ebook, which no surprise, I'm sure to your audience is uh, it's a lead magnet. And I will welcome you into my funnel at that point. Um, but it does give you my basic framework for what I call the fastest way to become successful in the, in the digital economy. Uh, so that's at millionairesecrets.com forward slash Jeff S. You can also, from there, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, which I, I have actually had somebody tell me that my YouTube channel is more valuable than a Harvard education for somebody that wants to go out and make money. So for what nice. that's worth and, uh, and subscribe to my show as well, my podcast. Awesome, man. Well, again, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. We appreciate you. It was uh, great content and uh, lots of things that we can implement right away. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Grateful to be here. Thank you.